Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. touched my heart with something today, and I, I'm not preaching because I've got preacher's itch, but I have something in my heart. I feel like God wants to share with us. Amen. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? If you have your Bibles, join me in Isaiah 22. I'm going to read a few more verses than I normally read. I'm going to pause at a couple of places, and then we're going to come back here again in the closing. Isaiah 22 and 20. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe, and I will strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government to his hand, and he shall be the father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulders. So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Verse 23 is where I want to pause. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. Would you think about that with me now? Amen. The Lord is saying to this individual he is addressing, I'm going to take from you. And I'm going to give it to him. And all the things you used to wear and the keys you used to hold, they're going to belong to him. And he said, I will make him, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house. The offspring, the issue All the vessels, a small quantity, and from the vessels of the cups, even to all the vessels of flagons. Again, in verse 25, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall. And the burden that was upon it, what was hanging on it, shall be cut off for the Lord has spoken it. Amen. Sobering. Sobering. The Lord is saying, I'm going to take from you and I'm going to place on him and I'm going to make him a nail in a sure place. And the nail that was the sure place, I'm going to remove and everything that was attached to it shall fall. And I want to preach to you this morning a nail in a sure place. A nail in a sure place. Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost I feel in your house this morning. And dear God, I need your help to touch my mind and my heart now. Strengthen us as we journey through your word. Oh God, your word is powerful, true. Lord, it is sure. 
And so I'm asking you today to help me now in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing. This is an interesting passage of scripture, to say the least. Judah had gone wrong, and, and their once unbreached walls, the walls that had been built to protect them, were now standing open. The Elamites had stormed through these breaches, and they are prepared at this very moment to strike the heart of Judah. They're prepared for war. The streets are filled with enemy houses and horses, rather, and chariots. And, and in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of everything that is going wrong, Judah is scrambling for weapons. You can read this in your, in your Bible, in the previous verses to where we began today. The Bible says that they took their houses that were in that fortified or once fortified city and they tore down their houses in an effort to take the stone or the building material of their homes to block up the breaches that were in the walls. They did all manner of things to save themselves but never do you see where they ever bent their knee and asked God to intervene and help them. My Lord, I'll tell you today that, that there's a lot of things we can do, but I don't want to do the things I can do until I've talked to God about the things I can't do. Amen. God called them to repentance and God called them to reap and mourn, but rather than be sorry, they celebrated their sin. They were not ashamed of what had led them to this moment in time. They danced, they played, they feasted, they drank, Amen. They were no longer a nation that knew how to blush because of their error. Jeremiah 6, 15, ask people, he, Jeremiah 6, 15, ask if people were ashamed of their abomination. Jeremiah asked, are you ashamed of your sin? And then he answers his own question with an alarming statement. He said, nay, they were not at all ashamed neither could they blush. Now think about that. Not only were they not ashamed of the sin and the debauchery of their lives, but they, were, they, they couldn't even blush. They couldn't even be embarrassed about what was going on. Now, I'm afraid today that as we look out at the landscape of the very world that we live in and our own nation, that we are now ourselves finding us in the middle of a very similar situation in a nation that no longer knows how to blush. We live in a world that's not sorry for their sin, but yet they celebrate it rather in the streets. We live and we work and we function alongside people that are not sorry about their sin. They're not at all remorseful about what they did last night, any of their actions, any of their deeds. We live in a very dangerous day. I have said as long as God will give me the breath, I will continue to say that it cannot be 20 degrees below zero outside of this building and not begin to infringe upon the inside of this building. 
And so there cannot be this spirit of insurrection on the outside and it not start affecting the church on the inside because we are living in a day when the sin of the world is starting to creep its way into the church ever so slightly and ever so gently and if we're not careful we ourselves will no longer be ashamed or embarrassed or sorrowful of sin I'm going to tell you I don't want to just get out of any old bed and walk in this house and lift my hands as though nothing happened happened last night. I don't want to just walk away from any old thing and just come into the house of God and think I can sing my way through this and press my way through this. I will tell you today we need a red hot altar of repentance to say God I need you to wash me and cleanse me from all of my sin and all of my iniquity. I will say it again. Lord don't just heal me and forgive me of the sin I commit with my hands but heal me and forgive me of the sin I commit with my heart, my iniquities, those things that are unseen, those things that are unheralded. Hallelujah. Oh God, help us to help us to realize that I need to come before his presence with clean hands. I need to praise him with clean lips. God, I believe, called us to make a clear distinction between holy and unholy. Jude, Jude warned us, only one book, one chapter, but Jude warned us that we will have to save some from the fire, but we are to hate the very garment that is spotted by flesh. There ought to be something about sin. Can I get a witness today? There ought to be something about sin that stirs up the righteous indignation of the church. The church doesn't need to be silent on the backside of nowhere when sin Sin is running rampant in the street. Hallelujah. I'm not necessarily telling you that the answer is holding a sign and picketing up and down the sidewalk, but I believe there is an answer in an old-fashioned prayer room on our knees to petition God and to become a voice of intercession. Amen. Rather than criticize our political leaders, when's the last time we got on our face and said, God, I'm asking you to anoint them and strengthen them. I'm asking you, God, to fortify their heart, convict them if they're wrong, Amen. And lead them and guide them by your grace and by your mercy. Hallelujah. That's what we ought to be doing. Amen. We ought to be wearing a garment of prayer, a garment of intercession. We ought to be wearing something to the prayer room and saying, God, we need you to help us. Now, let me just deviate for a moment. I'm going to tell you, church, if you've ever prayed for our nation, we ought to pray for our nation. We are in trouble. Amen, we are in trouble and we need God like we've never needed him before. I don't wanna just live my life as though nothing is going wrong. Hallelujah, I will tell you this, I know that God has got it in control. I'm not trying to spark fear in your heart, but we ought to be concerned. Amen, we ought to be concerned. We need the church. We need the church to be the church. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Amen. There's an old saying, but it's true. We need to love sinners, but we need to hate sin. Amen. We need to hate sin, not just for to have a distaste of it. Amen. Job, the Bible said of Job that he loved the Lord, but he eschewed evil. He hated the very thought of evil. Amen. Judah 
revealed their rebellion and the enemy is advancing and God's people in the midst of the enemy advancing God's people are in the street drinking and partying and having a good time standing at the very brink of death rather than repent they drank amen I want to just not meander too often here this morning but can I tell you that with the shaking that's going on in our world hear me this morning you would think there wouldn't be an empty pew on any church in America no matter what name is above the door you would think the parking lots would be full lines out the door amen I'm, I'm being honest with you today amen you would think nothing would keep me away from the house of God there's a shaking there's a moving amen the Bible says anything that can be shaken will be shaken but I've got some good news for you not everything will be shaken because there's some things that won't be shaken I want to have my life on a footing I want to have my life on a footing that is sure a foundation that is unmovable and that foundation is the word of God that foundation is the word of God amen amen we are a nation we are a nation that is intoxicated on pleasure. We are a nation that is intoxicated on what we can do to entertain ourselves. But I'm telling you, people are dying and they're going to a real hell. Amen. And we need to shake ourselves and wake ourselves. Amen. Here was Judah at the very brink of destruction and they didn't have repentance on their mind. They were just worried about the next thing. Amen. Isaiah addressed the leaders. Namely, namely, Isaiah goes to the steward of the house, a man by the name of, of Shebna. Amen. And, and Shebna was the palace administrator. He was the man in charge, if we may say. And the Lord told Isaiah to confront him and give him this message. You can read this in verses 16 through about 19, I believe. The Lord told him. He said, he asked him some piercing questions. He said, just what is it that you've done here? How is it that you have cut yourself a tomb out of a rock? And how is it that you are building things to your name and to your honor. Amen. How is it? Amen. How is it that you're doing all these things to lift yourself up? And then the Lord spoke to him and he said, the Lord, through Isaiah, he said, the Lord is going to hurl you away violently. He is going to seize you with a firm hold. The Lord is going to whirl around and just throw you or cast you away if you please and you shall die and there will be your glory glorious chariots. Everything that you think is worth anything and all of your bragging rights God is about to take this and thrust them away. And then he said he is going to take you from your office and you will be pulled down. Now I'm going to tell you that's a hard message to receive but that's also a hard message to deliver. Amen. That was a hard message for Isaiah. Tough marching orders. You go tell him that I said this is what's going to happen. But you see they had fallen in love with sin and they had lost their desire for repentance. So the Lord said, I'm going to drive you away. And in verse 20, he makes these promises. And that was where our text began. He said, but in your place, I'm going to appoint a man named Elikim. Amen. And he is going to wear your royal robes. 
and he is going to have your title and he will have your authority and he will bring honor to his family's name. Here's how and here's why. Here's how this is going to happen. He said, because I am going to make of him, I will drive him in as a sure nail. Amen. I will drive him in as a nail rather in a sure place. I'm going to establish his going out and his coming in. I'm going to establish this man. I'm going to tell you today that in an ever changing world, it is hard to know what's sure. It's hard to know what is there today is going to be there tomorrow. But I've got good news for you this morning. I've got some wonderful news. There are some sure places. David referred to one in Psalms 27. He said, for in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. I want to tell you the world is shifting and the world is rushing here and rushing there. But I'm going to tell you there's some sure places. When my heart is overwhelmed, I can say, Lord, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Lead me to that pavilion. Place my foot upon a rock. Place my foot upon that foundation. In Isaiah 62 and 2, David said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Hallelujah. It was an old child song almost. I shall not be. I shall not be moved. But I want to still bring it back today. Resurrected and tell you that the lyric is the same. The message is the same. I shall not be moved. Praise God. The only sure place we'll ever find this side of heaven is in Jesus Christ. He will be my shelter. He will be my sanctuary. He'll be my hiding place. He'll be my safety. He will be my sure place. He'll be what's right when the whole world around me is what's wrong. I can put my confidence in him. And so if you're looking for a sure foundation to build your life on, it's Jesus Christ because he won't move and you won't shake him. He will be our sure place. The word, the word sure means firm, faithful. And so you'll never find another one who loves you like Jesus loves you. And you'll never find another one who will be as faithful to you as Jesus will. God told Eliakim, he said, I am going to drive him in as a nail in a sure place. And, and here's why. These, these are not just arbitrary statements. He said, I'm going to drive him as as a nail in a sure place and here's why in verse 24 and he said they shall hang upon him all the glory of the father's house of his father's house the offspring and the issue all vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups even to the vessels and flagons all the glory of the father's house the offspring the posterity all the vessels Great and small, they are all going to be hinged on him. We're going to put a nail in a sure place, and it's going to hold the future. Amen. In other words, the smallest, the smallest vessel is going to be hanging there, and the largest vessel is going to be hanging there. And so if I could now bring this from a biblical setting into our world this morning. Can I tell you that even the smallest members of your family are depending on you as a nail driven in a sure 
place. I thank God for this great salvation and I'm also thankful for a great church where we feel his presence so powerful like we do this morning and I refer to our service Wednesday night. But can I tell you that God did not fasten us as a nail in a sure place just for us to be saved and just for us to be able to come together and have good services, high five and glad hand one another on the way out of the building and say, well, didn't we have a good time today? Amen, I wanna tell you this morning that God filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he drove you as a nail in a sure place because he knows there's others that are counting on you. Somebody else is looking at your life. They're following in your footsteps both inside and outside of these walls. And so I just want to address us today to our senior saints. Can you hear me this morning? Our couples and our singles, they need to see your godly example, not just in church, but every day of your life. They need to hear your testimony of how God helped you through some tough times and how God established your steps and how God helped you when a sailing winds were sure to take you out, but somehow you just kept standing. It's not because there was an S tattooed on your chest. It's not because there's a cape flagging and the waving in the background but it's because you put a nail, amen, God put a nail in your heart in a sure place you attached your life to something sure, hallelujah our adults, can I tell you this morning our young adults, they need your wisdom, they need your help with difficult decisions that they're going to have to make at their age they need to know how you sought God and they need to know how that God gave you the direction that you needed I'm going to tell you some of our adults need to talk to our young adults about how God has kept you and how God has preserved you. Amen. You need to talk to them about the importance of being faithful to the house of God and being faithful to support it in prayer and in finance and in praise and in worship. Are you hearing me today? Amen. They need to see that lived out in your life. They need to hear it from your voice. I can't be the only voice of this church. I need you today to get on board. I need you to help me. Amen. I'm not asking asking you to get a microphone. I'm not asking you to build yourself a pulpit, but I'm asking you to raise up every day out of the bed and say, God, help my life to be an example. Help me to be a nail in a sure place. Help me to be a nail in a sure place. Praise God. Amen. Our young adults, can I tell you today that our middle school and high school students, they need to see your example of how God has helped you through your teen years. Amen. They need to know that God kept you and sustained you. They need to know that times and seasons where you didn't know if you could go another mile, amen, you know that God just held your hand a song or a sermon or a testimony or a kind word or the witness of someone else. It just kept you standing. It kept you spreading resuscitated and you kept walking and you got through that season of your life our teenagers, our high schoolers our middle schoolers, they need to know that you were there and that you made it amen and that you took a stand and God helped you, help me today help me today, amen can I talk to our students this morning and tell you that our young children they need to see you worshiping God, amen, they need to see you in the altar praying, they need to see you in, with your hands lifted up they need to see hot salty tears running down your eyes. Our children are looking for heroes. Why don't you dare to be one? Our children are looking for lives that pattern after. Why don't you dare to be one? (laughs) 
Oh, God. Raise up, Lord, some nails in a sure place. Nails in a sure place. Nails in a sure place. Amen. Amen. Young people, our children don't need to see you occupying the peripheral edges of the church. They need to see you worshiping during worship service. They need to see your hands clapping. They need to see you stepping out in the aisle. They need to see you hear, hear they need to hear you preaching with a the preacher. They need to see you in, involved. They need to see you engaged. Why? Because they're looking for somebody to emulate. They're looking for someone to emulate. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something. When you say amen, it gives them permission to say amen. Oh, hallelujah. When you raise your hands, it gives them permission to raise their hands. I'm gonna tell you, I got something burning in my heart and here's why. A generation before me had something burning in theirs. Amen, I got something simmering in my soul and here's why, because a generation before me had something simmering in theirs and I am determined, I am determined, I am determined. Amen, if it's Sunday, if it's Wednesday, if it's Thursday, if it's Tuesday and we're in the house of God and I'm on this platform, I'm not doing it for show but I don't mind being found. I'm gonna worship him, I'm gonna love him, I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna lift my hands I'm going to lift my voice. Hallelujah. God's been too good to me. God has been too good to me. Hallelujah. My God, I feel feel something in my heart today. I feel something in my heart today. Amen, I'm reaching for some parents this morning. I'm reaching for some parents this morning. You better be careful how close to the line you live because your children are gonna take it another step further. Amen, I'm gonna urge you to get back in. Get in as deep as you can. Why? Because there's another generation that's coming and we gotta reach them. We've gotta reach them. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I feel your sweet spirit in this place today. Oh, I feel your sweet spirit in this place today. Amen. Someone else, someone else may have said this before me, but I'm going to tell you it was a revelation to me years ago in prayer. I, myself, am a third generation apostolic. My grandparents, my grandparents saw the oneness of the Godhead and baptism in Jesus' name in a revelation in a tent meeting all so many years ago. My mother, my parents, amen, because my grandparents received this by revelation. My parents received this by inheritance. I'm not saying they didn't have a revelation, but follow me. And so consequently, 
I receive this by inheritance. But if this becomes an inconvenience to me, it will be a nuisance to the next generation. Hey, you go ahead and struggle getting up and coming to church and see where to lead your children. You, you go ahead and sit around the dinner table, the breakfast table in the mornings trying to decide whether or not you're going to go to church on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever the doors are open and your children are hearing that and they realize it's lost its importance to you. And so when they have, a, when they're adults and have children of their own, it will be a noose. It won't even be on the radar, friend. I'm going to tell you, my mom and dad would never have claimed to have been perfect parents. And if you know them, you may know that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Amen. I'm so thankful of not one time in my life not ever one time in my life do I remember my mom and dad say are we going to church today are we going to church tonight amen if my dad couldn't go my mother was there are you hearing me today if my mother couldn't go my dad was there we live in a generation now if one person in the house has got a runny nose all six stay home is this all right Amen, it's the truth. Amen, one person's got the sniffles, everybody stays home. I'm gonna tell you today, I'm not looking for a reason to stay out. I'm looking for a reason to get in. Honey, I'm sorry you can't come tonight. Darling, I'm sorry you can't be here tonight, but I'll be back. Amen, I'll be home when church is over. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, I'm gonna tell you, you may have unexpected company that dropped in. I'm gonna tell you what my mom and dad, when unexpected company dropped by, they said, well, hey, tonight's church and you're welcome to go with us, but if you can't, we'll be back about nine o'clock. We'll be back about 10 o'clock. Hallelujah. I hope this is not too old fashioned for you, but I feel something burning in my soul today. I wanna be a nail. I wanna be a nail in a sure place. I gotta be a nail in a sure place. Hallelujah. Amen. Here's why we gotta be a nail in a sure place. Because too many things are hanging on us. Too many things are depending on us. Your kids may think it's cool now, but they're going to wonder later. Amen. I did not save to save myself. I'm saved because in addition to saving myself, others are counting on me. What would you think if I didn't show up Wednesday night? Nobody knew where I was. I won't be here Wednesday night, by the way. I just thought about that. But our leadership knows that. Our leadership knows that. Amen. Just trying to throw a little humor on there as a healing bomb. Because I know we're plowing deep this morning. But I'm going to tell you something. People are dependent on us. People are dependent on me. If you're dependent on me, I'm dependent on you. Amen. We've got Sunday school teachers that are preparing. 
here we're preparing. We got preachers that are preparing. Somebody's praying, seeking to the Lord about Wednesday night. Amen. We need to be here. Praise the Lord. Page 15. <laughs> here we go. You can be seated. If you'll, if you'll, don't forget how to stand, though. They need us to be fastened in a sure place. And the world needs to know there is still a church who cares more about being like him than being like them. A nail in a sure place. The world needs to know that we're more concerned about looking like him than looking like them. They need a church who has committed their lives to living lives to be like him. And that's why we live the way we live, dress the way we dress, abstain from things we abstain from. Amen, that's not to follow a list of rules and check all the boxes in the morning. That's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. This is not about religion. This is about relationship. And you know what? The longer I am married to that lady sitting right there, the more I want to please her. Amen, the more I want to do things that please her. I don't want her to be disappointed in me. It matters what she thinks of me. You've heard me say it before, but I don't mind repeating it, that if all of you are on your feet and you think this is the best thing going and she's sitting over there in another world, amen, that is not a testimony for me. That's a testimony against me. But if everybody is sitting down and she's on her feet, amen, go ahead and sit down because she knows me better than anyone. I want to please her. I want to please her. I don't get up in the morning with a long list of checks and marks and say well I need to do this I need to do that to please her to keep her from being mad to keep her from being aggravated no 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 I get up in the morning and I say I want to do this because I know this is what she likes and this is what she'll be expecting amen I want to get up in the morning and not look at a God that's on his, got his hands on his hips a furrowed brow looking down I say Lord I'll give this to you because it's you that made me what I am and placed me where I am amen Amen, I want to live in a way that's pleasing to God. Hallelujah. I want you to know this morning that there are still people young and old that are still wanting to live right in the middle of a world that's gone wrong. Several years ago, just out here to my right, your left, north here in this little lot was the old church building. It was actually the second building that this church had and sadly we had to tear it down due to some structural issues that were beyond repair. It was an old cinder block building and the trusses were of course made of wood. Those old rough cut timbers had been framed together building the rafters and the purlins of that old roof. And those trusses were held together by large 20-penny nails. I wasn't here, of course, the day that building was built. Perhaps few in this building would have been. But those carpenters that were constructing those rafters had no idea what kind of storms and trauma this building would face. They weren't just trying to tack things together, hope it holds long enough for them to get off the premises, but they were driving 20-penny nails in a sure place. 65 years of winters and summers and springs and falls had passed, 
65 years of tropical storms and tropical depressions and hurricanes here and there had not caused these nails to lose their grip. I have a few little small pieces of the ends of some of those rafters that I saved. Those nails are still in that wood today. Amen. I want to be like one of those nails driven in a sure place. As a matter of fact, we almost had to destroy the nails and the wood trying to get them out because they were nails in a sure place. You see, we can't be one thing at church and another thing on the job, one thing at church, another thing at school, one thing at church, another thing at home. It won't work. We're called to be by God to make our calling and election sure. To make sure that we're fastened as a nail in a sure place because God is wanting. And, and this is really the meat of where I'm going. God is wanting us to be a nail in a sure place because God wants to hang some things on us. And if I could be more specific, God wants to hang some people on us. Hurting people need to know there is hope. Amen. Lost people need to know that there's people that have found a savior. And God help us to realize that we're not just coming to church so that we can be blessed and make this all about us, but I'm blessed so I can bless others. This altar should not be a place where we have to come and pray through day after day after day, week after week. It needs to be a place where God can fill us and then we can go and empty ourselves out. I was visiting a church some years ago and I noticed as I drove out of the parking lot they had far more centralized parking than we have, of course, one entrance in and out. And as we come to that exit to make our way back to the highway, there was a sign there that said, you are now entering the harvest field. A stark reminder to the church that you went in there to get filled, to come out here and empty yourself out. I want to ask our musicians to come, but please hear me. Don't be distracted. It is at this point where the message from Isaiah becomes bitterly grave. God promises Isaiah that he's going to establish Eliakim. But before he does that, I'm going to establish Eliakim. But before I do that, I'm going to have to first remove Shebna. And the images that Isaiah paints are startling. Isaiah 22 and 25. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed. Shebna, I'm removing you. And it's going to be cut down and fall. And here's the tragedy of tragedies. And the burden that was upon it shall be cut off. Because when what's holding it all up falls, everything comes down. So daddy, if you think you can just do your own thing and everybody's going to be okay, you are kidding yourself. 
Because when it comes falling off the wall, everything that was holding, it was holding, is coming down with it. An English translation of this scripture says it like this. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, the peg that was fastened in a secure place will give way and it will be cut down and fall and the load that was on it shall be cut off for the Lord has spoken. And so hear me, when we are where we need to be, there are people that are hanging on us and they're depending on us to help them find God. But if we ever decide I'm done with this, please understand something. It's not just your soul you're talking about now. It's very possible that others who were hanging on us, depending on us, will fall as well. Rarely is there an exception. We can't ever afford to turn our back on God because it's not just my soul that's at stake. It could very well be theirs. And I'm pleading with somebody today. If you're trying to decide right now if you're going to keep walking with God or start walking with God again or not, it's time. It's time to turn and come home. It's time to get things shored up in our lives. I'm pleading with you because somebody else is depending on you. I'll ask you to stand, if you will. Many years ago, some of our men may remember this. We were at a men's conference in Apopka, and Brother Anthony Mangan was one of our speakers. He talked about earlier years of his ministry when they were in Plano, Texas, pastoring a church. And he said, you know, you can't be in Texas and not own a pair of cowboy boots. So he had a pair of cowboy boots and in their house and he said one morning I turned around and I saw his daughter standing in my cowboy boots he said those boots come all the way up to her hips and he said I turned around and it just gripped me that scene she's going to follow me she's following me I want to wear daddy's boots I want to walk like daddy walks I want to stand where daddy stands can I tell you today whether that ever literally plays out in your life if we could turn around somebody is standing in your shoes you have influence in their life you say well I'm not a preacher I'm not this I'm not that don't let the devil whisper all that nonsense in your, eye, in your ears you're an influencer everybody is an influencer As a matter of fact, influence is more powerful than titles. Moses was God's ordained leader for the children of Israel. Am I right? He had a title given to him by God. And when they got to the promised land, he sent spies in. Ten came back with a bad report. Moses had the title, but he didn't have the influence. You're an influencer. So you can have influence without a title. That's my point. Somebody's following you. And so if you complain, they're going to complain. You find what's good, they're going to find what's good. Amen. We need to raise up an army of people that understand the value of being a nail in a sure place because people are depending on you. Now here's this, here's, here's, I'm done. We've all been negatively affected 
by people who walked away. Just, it's okay. I'm not trying to open any wounds. We've all been negatively impacted by people that we thought you can count on them. I can remember influential people that rocked my world, but somehow I kept going. My point in bringing it up is I haven't forgot what that feels like. And I want to be committed to never be that person. Somebody's counting on me. Somebody's counting on me. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.